Good evening, church. Good evening, church. Good evening, church. All right, who's thankful to be in the house of God tonight? Yeah, how about you stand up? I'm going to read a passage out of Ephesians chapter 5. We stand. It's just a simple act to give honor to the Word of God, which is the highest, most authoritative thing that will be spoken in this room tonight. And this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. It's the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You can be seated. Jesus, we thank you that you're here in this night. We thank you that your presence is in this room, and we ask, God, that your presence would just continue to rest upon us, God, as your word is spoken, Lord, as, as this, uh, we give you our ears and we give you our hearts, God, we ask that you would speak from heaven, God, in a mysterious way that we don't quite understand, but that we would experience and that we would leave here, God, having been deposited into us, your, your holy seed, your living word that's piercing and powerful and transformative, and we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, tonight I have a pretty clear vision of what I'm supposed to talk about. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to say I always have that on Sunday. Sometimes it's more of a trust journey for me. Uh, but this entire week, the Lord told me, I just want you to spend time with me. Uh, don't worry about the message. Uh, and then uh, he, he said, I'll, I'll just give it to you. You don't, need to, you don't need to worry. And he said, just spend time with me. And I said, okay. And honestly, I had quite a peaceful week, had a peaceful weekend. And I had a dream last night that I, this doesn't happen to me that specifically, but I woke up. Uh, I woke up from the dream and I was singing a song and it was the presence of God was really strong on me uh, in this dream and I was just simply singing this song that went said I I'm a pure bride I'm holy and I'm white and I'm ready for you and I was just singing that again and again and again and, and I was actually in a community of people within this church and I woke up and I said Lord was that for for me is that for the church and he said it was for both uh, and he said that's what I want you to talk about tonight uh, being a pure bride a holy bride, a bride washed by the water of the word of Jesus uh, and sanctified, made clean. Jude even goes further and said that God will, he, he has the power to work in you in such a way that you can stand blameless before his glory, full of great joy. <laughs> That's a promise. If you're ever having a bad day, you just need a good promise, just read the book of Jude. He will make you so transformed that you can stand before his glory, blameless, with great joy. That is the vision of God for your life, that you would stand before him blameless, that he'd so wash and transform and sanctify you that we could gaze right at him without any shame or wrinkle or spot or blemish, but perfected, perfected by the grace of God. Isn't that good news? That, that is good news. So I want to talk tonight about being a pure bride, a pure church. Uh, which is very near and dear, and it's actually a metaphor, an image that's woven all throughout the scriptures. Uh, and I'm going to read a few passages of scripture at length tonight because uh, I like the scripture, and we should all like the scripture, right? We should even love the scripture. Say, I love it, Jordan. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy to hear that, seriously. Uh, I'm going to read out of the book of Hosea here. And this is a, the, the whole book of Hosea is a prophetic metaphor, and that just means that God's speaking through a natural thing like marriage 
In this case, that's what he's using. He's speaking through it to uh, reveal his relationship with us. And this book of Hosea, Hosea had married a woman who had come out of a life of prostitution. And uh, the context of the story is that uh, though he, he, he redeemed her, he pulled her out of that lifestyle. She, they had children, they started a family, and she went back into the lifestyle of adultery. And God begins speaking and, and speaks that this is a metaphor of what his people, what Israel had been doing to him. And he speaks in Hosea chapter 2, and he, he speaks and starts describing a lot of things. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm, I'm going to read uh, just starting here. Uh, in verse 14, this is the Lord's response to uh, Hosea's wife's adultery. He says, therefore, behold, I will allure her. I'll bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Say kindly. He'll speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there. And the valley of a core or punishment will be as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, which is husband, and no longer Baali, for I will remove the name of the Baals from her mouth, so that they will be mentioned by their names no more. In that day, I will make a covenant for them. With the beast of the field and the birds of the sky and the creeping things of the ground, and I will abolish the bow and the sword and war from the land, and will make them lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and then you will know the Lord. It will come about in that day that I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the heavens, and the heavens will respond to the earth, and the earth will respond to the grain, to the new wine, and to the oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will sow her for myself in the land. I will have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion, and I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Then the Lord spoke to the prophet and said, go again and love a woman who is loved by her husband, though an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raising cakes. This is powerful emotional language. This is the bleeding heart of God on display for us. That, that though my people, who I claimed out of such depravity, walked back into it, I will allure her, I'll, 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 I will allure you to a wilderness, to a simple place, speak kindly to you, right? Parallels this Ephesians 5, that Jesus washes us with the water of the word, Right? God responds in ways that we would expect would perhaps be, we would not expect, uh, but he responds. And I want to focus on that last statement. It says, God, you know, though, you guys are really quiet right now. It's just resting on you. The love of God's in this room. He's just going to keep speaking tonight. And so you can feel free to tune me out if he's speaking to you and just respond to what he's speaking to you. 
But the people of Israel, they turned from God. They had turned and they began to worship God and they'd been fall in love, he says, with raisin cakes. Anybody like raisin cakes in this room? You know, in Israel, a raisin cake was like a delicacy. That was something that was a very special treat. Uh, when you talk about, uh, you know, dates and, and grapes, those are the two kind of promised land fruits uh, that, that Israel, that's, they made honey from dates, by the way. There's no bees in Israel. Learn something new every day. Uh, but raisin cakes, there's another passage to raisin cakes. It's a, it's a speaks of a, a delicacy. It was something that uh, they were turning to the other gods. And, and it says earlier, even this passage, that they, they attributed the blessing in their life, the good things, the little pleasures that they had to the other gods and not to Yahweh. And God's basically saying that you've turned to me and you love your own little pleasures. You've turned to your own pleasure instead of me. You haven't recognized that I'm your husband. I'll betroth you to me. You've gone back so that you could have your own pleasures. Follow me here. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, which is another allegory of a, of a man and a woman, of this bridal-type relationship. This is in the Bible. All the single people, can I get an amen? The will of God, he loves marriage, right? There is a gift of celibacy. We celebrate that gift. I believe God has called uh, people to be celibate in the kingdom, but he's also ordained and blessed the gift of marriage, right? And uh, this is all throughout the scriptures. But in Song of Solomon 2.5, the bride, who is again speaking in this prophetic way to Jesus, she says, sustain me with raisin cakes because I'm lovesick. Interesting, right? She's using the same language that God's rebuking an adulterous Israel Right, this bride that's also falling in love with Jesus is asking for the same thing. I'm, and she's asking, give me my pleasures. And in the context, this isn't bad. This is kind of a neutral. Raising cake isn't bad. It's just a neutral thing. But it's saying, I want the pleasure. I want the goodness. I want the blessing. And so the adulterous Israel, they're seeking their own pleasures in a way that was idolatrous. But you see this young bride in Song of Songs, which the whole book of Song of Songs is a progressive journey of a bride maturing in love to the bridegroom, who's Jesus. Right? In Song of Solomon 2, she's still a young bride, so she's asking Jesus, you come and meet me and, and fulfill my secret pleasures. Give me the raisin cake. Sustain me with love. I'm lovesick. Refresh me. It's interesting, the same language is used in both of these allegories. Right? And, and what I would just like to propose is that, and you'll see this even if you really study the book, is that this young bride, though she loved Jesus, she still wasn't mature yet. Right? She still had a mixture in her heart. She wasn't a pure bride. She was still desiring uh, Jesus to come and, and meet her in her own uh, immature place. And this is true in all of our, our walks with Jesus. There's, we love Jesus. Jesus comes and saves us. He does a thing in our life. We sing songs to him. It's beautiful and it's real. But there's, there's still this place of maturing and becoming a washed, sanctified, pure bride that God is wanting to take us into. Uh, there's a book called Redeeming Love. Has anybody read it before? It's a fiction, but it's true, right? Anybody that read it, you know what I'm talking about? It is totally fiction, but it is true. And it's by a woman named Francine Rivers. She wrote a book uh, that is a, more of a, a modern uh, interpretation of this Hosea account. And it's graphic, and I'm going to share a little bit of it because I think it, it's going to lend itself to what the Spirit of God's wanting to speak in this place tonight. But the story is of a, a, a farmer and, uh, who is a good old uh, man of God, a good old farm boy. Hey, you love farm boys? I've been watching like Iowa play. You know, there's good old farm boys on Iowa. March Madness, following me. Uh, 
right, there's a good farm boy, and he is uh, in the town getting supplies. And there's a prostitute uh, that's walking down the street. He doesn't know she's a prostitute, and uh, he hears the voice of God say, like, that's your beloved. And uh, over the preceding book, this is one of the most emotional books I've ever read. I wept my way through it. Uh, he begins to be told by God that he is to go and to redeem this woman from her life in the brothel. And uh, this man, who is a symbolic of Jesus, uh, he very awkwardly begins to sell por portions of his property and his crops to get money to buy time with this woman in her brothel room, bedroom. And it's these very awkward exchanges as he's trying to express pure love to a woman that knows nothing of love. And uh, as the story unfolds, I'm not going to give it all, but at one point he, he ends up rescuing her from this, and he physically removes her from the brothel. Uh, but then the remainder of the book is the deeper work, which is a, a multiple-year-long journey uh, that's quite riveting of removing the brothel from her. And the journey of becoming a pure bride, a mature bride, we get saved, right? Like we all have salvation experiences when God takes us out of the brothel. The brothel is sin. We were all born into a brothel. No matter how amazing our life's been, we were born into a world that's full of sin and depraved. It's full of, of sickness and darkness and brokenness. And we don't have to look very hard or long to see that. And Jesus comes, and that's why we can sing of his love forever. He, he redeemed us from that place. But the deeper work of grace, perhaps, the, the more thorough work, maybe is a better way of saying it, is, is removing the brothel from us. Removing the depravity from the inside of us. But what does Ephesians 5 say? I'm going to wash you with the water of my word. I'm going to make you clean. I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to make you blameless. I'm going to make you be able to stand before me as if you never sinned. I'm going to redeem you completely. That's the will of God for your life, that you would look at him without blemish. In Song of Songs, we see the effect of this mixture in this young bride's heart. And there's this passage, this is poetic language, and sometimes we read these, and we're like, this is so beautiful, and we miss what's actually being said. And I'm sure a lot of you have read this before, and this is uh, chapter 2, verse 10. She says, my beloved, this is speaking of Jesus, he responded and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. For behold, the winter is past, and the spring, the rain is over and gone. The flowers have already appeared in the land, and the time has arrived for pruning the vines. And the voice of the turtle doves has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened its figs, and the vines in blossom have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. It's a good invitation, right? As Jesus comes in, it says he's coming down, he's leaping on the mountains, and he comes down from the mountain and says, I want you to come with me. Right, the first chapter, he's been pursuing her. He's been giving her the raising cakes. He's been, he's been meeting her needs. He's been coming right into her context. Jesus came into our brothel. And even though it's really awkward for him, he's trying to differentiate his love from the love of this world. 
That's what he did for all of us. We had no understanding of what a holy, pure love was, but he came right in. He, he left the holy place of heaven, and he got into the brothel of this world and had to awkwardly work and, 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 and interact with us in a way that, no, I'm communicating love, but it's not the love that you know. It doesn't come with the strings that you've experienced. It's not the message of performance. It's not shame. It's no, there's nothing you have to give me. I'm loving you. Right? He got into this place with us and, 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 and rescued us from this place. This is the context. This is the first verse. But then now he's coming and it's like he's coming to this young bride and saying, but now I've met you in your context. I want you to leave this place behind. I want you to come with me. Come with me. Come to meet me on my terms. And this is how the bride responds. This is how the young bride responds. Actually, Jesus goes one step further. I want to read this. He says, this is 14. He says, My dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place of the steep pathway, let me see your form and let me hear your voice. This is a reference to Moses. In the cleft of the rock, which is where God hid Moses and showed him his glory. So what's Jesus inviting here? What's he saying? I'm inviting you to come up the mountain and see my glory. I'm inviting you to, to leave your context and to come into a heavenly one. And I'm gonna show you my glory like I showed Moses my glory. And I wanna hear your voice there. I wanna communicate with you in, in a holy secret place, up on the mountain. This is the bride's response. My beloved is mine and I am his. He pastures his flock among the lilies. In other words, you're amazing. But, say but, until the cool of the day when the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle. In other words, a poetic way of saying no. No, I'm not ready. I want you to come and give me raisin cakes. I want you to come and, 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 and meet me in my context. I'm totally good with that. But I am not ready to meet you in your world, in your way, in your time, in your context. I'm good if you come and give me what I want. Give me my pleasures. Bless me. Kiss me. Fill me. Give me that, that presence. Give me the goosebumps. Bless me financially. Give me favor. Give me platform. Give me a ministry. Give me whatever it may be. I'm, I want all of that. I'm good with all of that. But, but to leave my comfort zone, to follow you to a place I don't know where you're going to take me? No. Turn. Go away. She's a young bride. This is all poetic, but I think that this is landing in some way, right? No. What does Jesus say to us? Now, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all the treasures of earth will be added to you. You'll have more. You'll be satisfied in me. Seek me first. Seek me on the mountain. Be with me. Pray with me. Worship me. This is how you steward your finances. This is seek me. Come and follow me. Come and live life my way. Meet me on my terms and, my, and follow me. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll live the life that you're longing for. And what do so many say? No. No. I, I, I love when you come. I love when you meet me in my way but I'm not ready to, to follow you in, to that degree. I'm not, I'm not ready to inconvenience myself. I'm not ready. That's, it, it, I'm good with you coming to me on my terms, but I'm not ready to put you first and come to you on your terms. Why do we see such a lack of kingdom power in this nation, in the church? Why? 
yes and no spirituality. Yes and no. There's still no. There's a no inside of a lot of the church. It's a yes and no spirituality, which is a lack of purity. Say purity. Purity. What does purity mean? Singleness. Single-mindedness. Just one thing. It's just yes. It's just yes. Purity is yes. 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 Yes before you even ask. Yes before I even know. Yes if I like it or not. Yes. It's just yes. Just I love you. Yes. I can't refuse you. I can't deny you. I can't withhold from you. I can't say no to you. The no in me is gone. Yes. That's purity. That's the pure bride. And I'm not saying any of this to shame you because we don't make ourselves pure. He does. He washes us. He cleanses us. But if there's a no, if there's a yes and a no in us, it's because there's something still that isn't yet matured. It's not yet washed. It's not yet cleansed. We haven't, we haven't, been, we haven't gone to the wilderness yet and let him speak tenderly to us. Right? And Jesus, the invitation here, he says, hey, the winter is gone, but the spring has come. Right? The winter is a dead season. Dead. Who likes to be dead? It sucks. It's numb, it's cold, nothing grows, everything's gray. You guys been hearing the birds in the morning chirping? Do you just get happy? It's like spring, there's life. It's gonna happen again, I swear, you know? I actually believe it now. In February I didn't, I was losing faith, right? The winter is gone. Jesus is saying, the winter is gone. That is the season of death, right? Jesus is saying, you've come to life. You're not dead anymore. But the springtime's here, and the springtime's a time of pruning, Anybody have some pruning to do in your backyard? Just telling Jackie this week, I took a, I'm going to take a couple days off. I'm like, I got some pruning to do. I got a tree that fell over. I got all this, right? Pruning. There's life, but there's pruning. Jesus is saying, hey, young bride that I love, that I've met, that I, that I long for, come with me on a season of pruning. Come with me and let me grow you and refine you and nurture you and lead you to a place of encounter and teach you what it means to look like me and love me. No. No. Matthew 5, Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Have you ever asked yourself why? Why will the pure in heart see God? Is this some kind of a reward? If I don't do all the things that I shouldn't do, Will I then get rewarded by God and then I'll be able to see him? And he's kind of like hiding and he won't let me see him until I get all my crap together? No. This is not speaking about your spiritual performance. This is simply an invitation to the perspective that comes with purity. There is only so much you can comprehend of the love of God when you're still in a brothel. And there's only so much that you can comprehend about the love of God when the brothel's still inside of you. Because it colors your interpretation of what his love is like. And the truth is that though God humbles himself to our level and says, my love is like a faithful husband. My love is like the bond between a mom and a child. My mom 
My love is, is like a friend. My, fr- my love is like these things. His love is entirely unlike these things as well. His love is not like the love of this earth. His love is so powerfully beyond, it cannot be contained by any context that we have to build around. There there isn't a form, like what Riley was praying, there's not a form big enough that can house a revelation of the love of God, and so it just comes in pieces. The journey of becoming a pure bride, it's not like overnight, it, it comes in pieces, because he takes us on a journey of breaking every mold that we think that we have, that we understand his love and say, no, no, it's not like that. God is an alien. That's what holy means. More modern vernacular, you're alien. You are other. You are not like us. And so though Jesus will get into the brothel with us, Though he then follows us out and and patiently pursues us when he knows we still have our own self-tendencies and manipulations and things that he, he just keeps loving and loving and loving and loving, pursuing us. He will continue meeting us in these places of immaturity. He will. But it's not until we say yes in a deeper place, a deep yes, that we will start to experience the riches and the sacredness of covenantal love. If you want the fullness of God, you will never experience that until you've allowed him to lead you to maybe places you don't want to go and wash you in ways that perhaps you don't want to be washed to become pure, until you've become pure in heart, until you've allowed and yielded to that, you will not be able to comprehend the fullness of his love. You won't be able to experience it. Because you simply don't have capacity, you don't have the perspective. It's impossible to fully see what love is, to fully know what it means when Jesus says, I love you. To fully know experientially, like Ephesians 3, that you would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge and be filled with his fullness. That you would be endlessly lavished with a grace that relentlessly pursues you without measure, without bound. That you are loved, that you are favored, that you are delighted in, that you are cherished. That you are the apple of his eye, that you are redeemed by his grace, that that he formed you by hand and with passion in his eyes spoke you into existence, knit you together before you were even in your mother's womb. You, like, we, you can't comprehend these things because we, we have to use our own images and language and things that we learn in life. And, and Jesus is saying, come with me. Come with me on a journey and let me change you from the inside out so that you can know more deeply what, what you've only known in part. There's a... a a man in my life, very, I'm intimately connected to him. Uh, he's not a part of this community. None of you know him. And uh, he is very unfamiliar with anything of the supernatural side of Christianity, meaning what I'm about to share with you was not something he asked for or knew could be possible. And about maybe two or three years ago, uh, he shared this story with me that he was uh, laying in bed late at night having what he called to be an anxiety attack because of his financial uh, place in life, 
and uh, he was laying there late in the night, uh, just, just in a horrible pit of anxiety. And he said, as, as he was sitting there, all of a sudden, the, the most deep sense of serenity filled the room and peace just flooded. And he said it was so peaceful, it caused him to look up. And when he looked up, Jesus Christ was standing in front of him in the flesh. And Jesus looked right at him and reached out his hand and said, do you trust me? And he was laying in bed, trembling at this point. And he reached out and he grabbed his hand. And he said he didn't know how long it was, but he just held on to that hand until after a time, Jesus slowly disappeared. And he laid there trembling, knowing that he'd seen the risen Jesus who came in and stepped into the pit of anxiety, to the place of fear, into a place of compromise. And the question of the one who came and shed his blood on a cross, the question that he asked when he looks us in the eyes, do you love me? I came into your brothel. I shamed my own name and reputation. Went where nobody, no God, no king would ever go, but I came here. He gave everything and has questioned us, his question to the church is, do you love me? That's the dream of God. A pure bride that can look him back in the eye and say one word. Yes. Yes. Wherever it takes me, whatever the cost, whatever it means, yes. 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 And it's a step of faith to reach out and to grab that hand. It's always a step of faith. There's always doubt. It's not about your feelings. It's not about if you're rolling around or shaking, it's not about if you fall over, it's not about if it seems amazing on the outside or not. Man looks at outer appearance. Jesus is searching the depths of your heart. And he's searching to and fro, just looking for a heart that can reach out and say, yes, 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 God. And that yes, that, that reaching out, that taking of that hand is saying, yes, God, prune me, cleanse me, wash me, have your way in me, do whatever you want in me. Just promise me that you're with me. If you'll give him that yes, he will give you more than you ask or imagine. If you'll give him that yes, if you'll just reach out in faith, 
He, he will take you out of the brothel, but he will also take you on the journey of taking the brothel out of you. And some of you, I know you're sitting here and the world still seems attractive. There's appetite. There's a desire to see how close to the line you can get without crossing. There's a complex justification pattern you have around things that the Lord has convicted you over for years. Because the brothel's still inside you. And Jesus is reaching his hand out tonight. And he's asking you a question that pangs from a very tender and vulnerable and passionate place of absolute adoration for you. Do you trust me? Do you trust my way? Do you trust that if I call you to be a part of a congregation, that if I ask you to spend time with me in prayer, that if I ask you to trust me with your finances, that if I ask you to abstain from some behaviors, if I ask you to do things that you may not like, or you may think are punishment, do you trust me that every part of me longs to fulfill the purpose for your existence? Do you trust me? We will never perform our way into purity. We do not have the ability to uh, martyr ourselves in the name of this and that. The only thing that can empower a human heart to change is love. It's love. And I sense an invitation from the heart of Jesus tonight to many here in this room that though it may not be with the same outward intensity of the testimony that I shared with this man, but that nonetheless Jesus is standing before you right now. He's reaching out his hand and he's saying, do you trust me? Do you love me? And I have a sense that for some of you, there's, you, you, you don't know Jesus. Or maybe you find yourself, uh, you're living in a brothel. You're living in a place of addiction or chains or bondage, outward behaviors, whatever it may be, but you just resonate with that. But there's some of you that are like, yeah, that's, there's desires and appetites inside of me that that I don't want, Lord, that need to be washed. And I sense that Jesus is just inviting some in this room uh, to a place to just be with God. And uh, what we're going to do, I just want to, we're going to just dim the lights and actually just create a space um, up front. I, I want to invite you that if, if that's you, if God's stirring on you, if there's something burning in your heart, you know, and, and honestly, some of you may just, you don't even know what's going on, but you just feel like... <laughs> Like, I, I need to respond to something right now. I just, this is an open space for you to respond to the Spirit of God and to just humble yourself before Him. And I think uh, that God wants to meet. 
He wants to meet with us tonight. So if that's you, you can just you can start coming forward. It's not doesn't need to be this formal, drawn out thing. It's not about what other people think. It's just about responding to the heart of Jesus tonight. And you can just come and you can kneel, you can lay, you can posture yourself before God. We don't have an agenda for this time. We just kind of create space for the Holy Spirit to move. And a good place to start is just to repent and just tell Jesus you're sorry. But I sense that God just, there's a place of intimate encounter with his voice tonight that he's calling you to just to wash you with the water of his word. And I believe that there's freedom in this room tonight for some of you that you feel like you've just been stuck for a long time. But there's something that Jesus just wants to, to break. And I think there's some that you're just really scared right now to respond. And I just want to encourage you to do it. It's not for me. It's not for anybody else. It's just for you. And Just respond as God's moving you to respond. And we're just going to sit here. I'm going to pray in a minute, but there's one thing, and this is a little awkward for me to share, but I told the Lord uh, yes before I ministered tonight. So that was whatever he wants me to share, I'd share. And uh, I felt like God wants to heal tonight. Uh, there's some of you that uh, you made mistakes in your past uh, sexually, and uh, there's some, like STDs. And uh, I just heard during worship, the Lord said, I make all things new. And uh, so you don't need to expose yourself in any way, but I just want to speak that over you. And, and I'm also going to just, just pray that, that grace would come upon you and that even as you open your wounds before Jesus and maybe even expose your shame before him tonight, that, that the love of God would just come right now. And that love cleans us. It redeems us. And he has willed that you would stand before him blameless. That he would wash you with his word. And we just ask that you do that right now, Jesus. That you just come into this space. And by your Holy Spirit, that you would just wash each one. God, each one that's responding to you. Each one that's reaching out and taking hold of you tonight. God, and giving you a yes. No matter how strong or weak that yes feels God that you would respond right now Jesus and that you just you just wash and wash and wash and wash and you'd wash away God you just wash away what needs to be washed away that you would cleanse heal God, that you'd get down into the the, the pussy wounds within God the, the soul that's been carrying these, these places of pain and shame and bondage and you just wash it away God and as you wash the wounds of your bride tonight God you will wash you will wash them with kind words and that you will turn this place that has been punishment in itself God you would turn it to a door of hope and that you just just lavish God lavish your loving kindness upon each one here tonight quietly 
just a soft dismiss is what we do in times like this when we sense the Holy Spirit moving. And we're just going to keep this place for a, a place of, of ministry. And so uh, if you want to socialize and chat, you can do so in the lobby just at any time. Just, you're not totally fine to walk out. But we're just going to just keep pressing into what God's doing right now. I will remove the names of the bales from your mouth so that they'll be mentioned by their name no more. And that day I will also make a covenant with you. I will betroth you to me forever. have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Lord, we just ask that you make covenant with your bride tonight. Lord, that you would come and as they give you their ears, you fill their ears with the thoughts and the words that come from heaven, that you'd make covenant with your bride tonight, God. That as you're just removing all the things that we've spent our treasures on that don't satisfy, Lord, that you'd give the real thing tonight, that you would manifest love right now, God, a love that heals, a love that redeems, God, and a love that makes covenant. And we just bless what you're doing right now in this place. We just say, come, Holy Spirit, have your way. There's someone in here, you're sitting here and you're with people that it makes it uncomfortable for you to come forward because of what they may think, but I just want to encourage you to just respond. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Jesus is just, just respond to Jesus. Just respond to Jesus. Just press into what Jesus is doing right now.
to speak freedom, God, over every chain of bondage that has uh, any person, God, in this place feeling like they're stuck or trapped. God, every generational yoke, God, anything that just that keeps us stagnant, God, and we just pray that your love, God, your perfect love will cast out fear tonight in this place, and that love will, will rush in and cause all the fear to go away, God, it will rush into the places where there's been pain and trauma, and that you make all things do tonight, Lord Jesus.